Luke chapter 9, and we want to continue on with our study, the face of our Lord. Luke's gospel chapter 9. We've been doing a study on uh, the face of our Lord, taking scriptural statements, and then beginning to discover what the Bible has to say to explain and uh, bring these out. I want somebody to get for me Luke 9.51, if you will. Uh, Noah will get that for me. Then I need several other scriptures. I want Luke 14, 28 through 30. Maybe somebody over there, Mike Solano. I want Luke 14, 31 through 33 is Matthew. I want Luke 9, 61 and 62. Uh, Dennis, I want Luke 9, 57 and 58. Uh, Don Galati and Luke 9, 59 and 60. Uh, Mr. Arp. Okay, so we want to uh, take one other uh, uh, face, and this comes from Luke 9:51. It's uh, uh, titled "The Dauntless Face." Dauntless is a word we don't use much anymore, but it is a English word that has great meaning. Let me give you a definition. To daunt means to thwart, deter, or stop from one's purpose, frighten off, intimidate. To discourage, crush the courage of, dismay, appall, to cow, to tame, or to subdue. So, dauntless then means indomitable, unconquerable, unaffrighted, undaunted, undismayed, not to be daunted or dismayed, fearless, intrepid, bold, brave, brave, daring, courageous, gallant, valiant, valorous, doughty, chivalrous, and heroic. All of those words would fit into the category or give us some meaning of what we want to talk about this morning. History is filled with people who have started some project, they've started some course of action, they've started uh, some relationship. We're having a a privilege of having a Jesus people wedding today. There are many people who uh, begin in that. They do not finish some venture, some project, some pursuit. But because of the difficulty that is encountered or the circumstances that are involved in that, they turn aside or lay aside the project or turn from uh, that course for one reason or another. In Greek mythology, there's a very uh, picturesque uh, term that was coined. It's called the siren song. And in Greek mythology, this is uh, uh, soldiers who were off to an adventure of conquest filled with zeal, filled with vision of uh, dominion and conquering, who uh, would pass by an island, and uh, as they had been long from home and uh, were uh, weary in the purpose, they'd hear a song, beautiful maiden song, that's ringing out to them, and uh, it appealed to them, uh, made them homesick, made them uh, lonely, and they turned aside to this island, and uh, the beaches of that island were filled with the bleaching bones uh, of, one, uh, of those who at one time were filled with zeal, filled with purpose, and uh, they there had finished their fate. There's a real lesson here this morning as we begin to talk about this face of our Lord because this is a common problem with humanity, and we can learn a great lesson for this. Luke 9, verse 51, if you read that for me out loud, Mike Solano. No, that's not the one. Who has Luke 9.51? Oh, 
No tossing. Okay. Now, King of Pass was then to come to him, and he received us, and he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Jesus steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Now, this is not just a, a, he's taking an overnight journey. He's uh, taking a little trip up there. Uh, as we look at the scripture, we're going to begin to see uh, what confronts him. And he knew what was uh, coming before him. And uh, he leaves for us uh, some stories in the scripture. Help us to build this, this business of you and I having a steadfastness, having a courageous, having an unswervable uh, purpose and sticking to that purpose as believers in Jesus Christ. He tells many stories to begin to fortify the disciples. One of these is a tower, Luke 14, verses 28 through 30. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost? For which of you uh, intending to build a tower does not sit down and first consider the cost. See, the problem uh, with uh, much of what's presented as Christianity today, uh, I think I quoted a, a week ago, this mega church in the Phoenix area, is the pastor doesn't want to change anybody's lifestyle. He just wants them to accept Jesus and be happy. That's not the gospel at all. And Jesus left no misunderstanding, and he wanted to ground the disciples and those following him in that there's a, a price to pay for following him. He uses this illustration. If you're sitting down, you're going to build a, a tower. Uh, so uh, perhaps uh, today you're thinking about building a house uh, and you're having a house built. Uh, one of the main things you're going to have to do is sit down first and uh, figure out how much it's going to cost and see if you're willing to pay that. Is that correct? All right. This is life. Go ahead. Whether or not he has enough to finish it. Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish it. All right, here's the issue of beginning to do something and not finishing. And uh, Jesus lays this foundation. He wants the believers and followers to understand there's going to be a price to pay. For following him. Then he follows this uh, with Luke 14, 31 through 33. It is an imagery of conflict. Who has that for me? On what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able to be able ten thousand men or ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand. Or else while the, the other is yet a great way out, he sends and an ambassador, and desires conditions of peace. All right. Go ahead. he be of you that forsaken all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. Okay, here's discipleship, plain and simple, laid out. It's so far uh, feel from much of what is presented as a Christian faith today as to not even be recognizable. What king going to make war... He only has 10,000, and he knows this other fellow has 20,000. Doesn't first sit down and consider, is he willing to bear the casualty or the uh, difficulty of the conflict? And so he's not going to start that war unless he sits down first and say, am I uh, willing to enter this conflict and, uh, and undergo the, uh, the, uh, the pressure to see it through. Otherwise, he starts the conflict, and uh, after he started it, 
then he quits, not able to. And uh, he then suddenly goes out and said, let's make conditions of peace. And, of course, you know that anybody that does that, there's going to have to be a price that's paid because they're going to exact... Uh, they're going to exact some, uh, a little bit of booty that's involved with that, some compromise. So he leaves this imagery before us uh, with no misunderstanding. Then Luke 9, 61 and 62. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. Okay, this is a, an imagery that has to be explained because you don't see uh, in our uh, life uh, much of this. But in an agricultural society, this was a very common image. I can remember as a boy following my older brother who was plowing with a hand plow, a horse, uh, uh, a horse uh, uh, dragging this plow, and he's plowing up a field. Uh, the fields always have hard places. They sometimes have rocks. And so it takes great concentration, and while they're plowing, they plow a straight row. They follow each row, row after row with that. If he's looking around, gandering around, he can't do that because the plow hit these places. Next thing you know, he's plowing a crooked. And so he draws this imagery and says, Which of you, having put your hand to the plow, and you uh, uh, turning back, in other words, you're looking around, you're looking back maybe at, uh, uh, at what you used to do or be, then you cannot properly plow a road. doesn't mean that your salvation's uh, gone. That's not the meaning of it. He's drawing an imagery is uh, that you cannot properly uh, be a, a, a disciple serving the kingdom of God, do a proper job. If you're always looking back, you have to concentrate Keep your eye upon the goal. Then we have the sacrifice, Luke 9, 57 and 58. He came to pass that as they were in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests. The Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Okay, here's, uh, here's the excitement, kind of like uh, uh, Christianity's become popular because he's healing the sick, he's bringing... Deliverance from demon powers. He's uh, changing people's lives. And uh, it's become somewhat popular. And uh, so they said, Lord, we want to follow you too. You know, people like to do what people like to do. How many of you know that? And uh, popularity is no reason to be a Christian. And if you're following because of popularity, you'll soon turn back. Jesus then lays it down very plainly and said, uh, the foxes, the, uh, the birds of the air have nests and the foxes have hole, but I have not where to lay my head. And so there's going to be a price, there's going to be a sacrifice involved, and he lays it out plain. Finally, Luke 9, 59 and, and 60, there's the pull of security. And he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to another, you follow me. He said, uh, Lord, first, let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. You go and preach the kingdom of God. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. You go and preach the kingdom of God. Now his father had not died yet. This is not some insensitive uh, acts where his father's laying out. And he says, later for that, I don't care for that. His father's not dead. Uh, what he's talking about is this is the oldest son who, uh, to whom fell the responsibility as the firstborn to regulate the affairs of the family, to begin to, uh, uh, to distribute 
the assets and, and take care of that after his father died. And it would be, of course, a great benefit and blessing to him as the firstborn, as they always got a double portion of that as the executive of the state. So he said, I'm going I'm to follow you, but Lord, first I want to wait until my father dies, and then I'm going to get this inheritance. I'm going to take care of this. And Jesus said, let the dead do that. These people are not alive. You're alive. You, you, are, you are spiritually alive. Let them take care of that. You go and preach the kingdom of God. So here we have uh, many stories that the Lord Jesus lays out. And so back to the dauntless face. Jesus set his face steadfastly to go to Jerusalem. Now, what is that all about? Why does it say that? Uh, It's because he has a purpose, and that purpose he's focused in on, and that's to do the will of the Father. I want Matthew 16, 21 through 23. Over on my left is Paul. I want Matthew 17, 22 and 3 is Brian. I want Mark 9, 30 through 32 is um, David. I want Luke 18... 31 through 34 is Kelly and Matthew 26, 38 and 39. Anybody saved in this section here? Okay. Jeremiah is Matthew 26, 38 through 39. So here's the purpose. Jesus came into the world to do the Father's will and he would not swerve aside from that. All personal uh, uh, agenda all uh, uh, turning aside for his own benefit or for his own enjoyment, his own pleasure, was laid aside to do the will of the Father. Uh, and uh, this is why he set his face steadfastly. He knew exactly where he was going. Listen to these words, Matthew 16, 21 through 23. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. From that time... Jesus said to the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. Uh, from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. From the elders, chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. And then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, Far from you, Lord, and this shall not happen to you. Peter took him aside and said, no, 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 that's not, uh, that's not the program. We're not going to do that. But he turned and said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. He turned aside and said, get behind me, Satan, adversary. You do not savor the things that, uh, that uh, pertain to God, but you are moving from an earthly, uh, a uh, uh, fleshly, uh, perspective and desire. Matthew 17, 22 and 23. Now while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and the third day he'll be raised up. Jesus knew where he was going, and he said, The Son of Man is going to suffer many things and be killed, and the third day they're going to raise him up. They became exceedingly sorrowful. Matthew 9, 30 through 32. Uh, Mark, rather, 9, 30 32. Mark 9. They departed from there and passed through Galilee, and he would not that any man should know it. For he taught his disciples and said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men. The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men. And they shall kill him, and after that he is killed, he shall rise up from the dead. 
they'll kill him, and after he's killed, he'll rise again. Luke 18, 31 through 34. Then he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going to Jerusalem, and all the things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. But he will be delivered to the Gentiles, and will be mocked and insulted and spit He will scourge him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. But they understood none of these things. This thing was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. Okay, and then Matthew uh, 26, 38 through 39. And he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even in death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it is possible that this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Okay, back to the dauntless face. This is the face that is uh, determined. A face that knows exactly where it's going. Jesus knew where he was going. He knew what was going to be the outcome of that. This was no accident. This is, a, this is what he came into the world for. And he had stated, for this purpose came I into the world. And this was to establish the kingdom of God by his death and by his resurrection. So here we have the example. We have the, uh, uh, it's laid it out. So our call then is to follow his example. Paul spells this out very clearly in Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. I want to, in this section here. Is everybody backslidden in this section here? Okay, Dennis, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. I want Hebrews 12, 3 and 4. Jake, I want Galatians 3, verse 1. Who is it? Uh, Joel, if you get that for me, we want to, uh, we want to lock into this. So, uh, uh, Paul, Spells this out. Remember, Jesus uh, uh, sets the example. He leaves behind us the uh, direction. And then Paul then begins to pick this up and spells this out in his writings, Hebrews 12, uh, 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. All right, here's the, uh, the statement of Paul. He uses this imagery. He said, you and I who are called, you and I who are believers, you and I who have experienced this wonderful blessing of salvation, then we have an uh, example, and let us run with patience. He draws this out as a, uh, out of the Olympic Games or the precursors to the Olympic Games. And uh, in these, a runner would run, they would perform, and uh, they were looking to the goal. One of the secrets was they don't look around, they're not distracted by who's around them, they run on course, and they not turn aside. And so he says, let us run with patience, the race that is set before us, uh, looking unto Jesus, uh, who for the joy that was set before him uh, ran this course and even the curse uh, of the cross uh, and despised the shame. He wasn't daunted by the fear, the shame, and the death that was to come. Then Hebrews 12, 3 and 4. Consider him that endured such So consider him. Remember, we're talking about Jesus, who has a dauntless face, a face of courage, a face that will not be turned aside. He has steadfastly set himself, determined to fulfill his purpose, uh, and 
So then you and I have that example, and he carries it a little further as he begins to talk about the, some of the, uh, the dynamics that are involved. Go ahead. Lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Okay, he said, this is, uh, this is the course that is set before us. And Jesus uh, suffered the contradiction of sinners. We could... Uh, we could uh, carry that out as he was uh, headed up to Calvary. Remember the two thieves, they uh, are mocking him. The crowds are mocking him. The soldiers are mocking him. They put a crown of thorns on him, said, you're the king. Uh, they put a purple robe on. They smote him with his blindfolded and said, if you're, you're the son of God, prophesy. Who is it? Uh, tell us. Who? Name our names, who we are. They're mocking him. Uh, and this is the contradiction of sinners against himself. And he suffers this as he goes to Calvary. Galatians 3, verse 1. This is the public assault and contradiction of sinners. Galatians 3, 1. Who has you that you should not obey the truth? Paul writes uh, to the Galatian church and says, O oh, you foolish Galatian, who has bewitched you or who has cast a spell upon you is the proper language. In other words, they've influenced you and uh, that uh, you would not continue in the way uh, that uh, you've gone. So I want Second Timothy 4 verses 7 and 8 over on this left-hand side. Somebody help me quickly. Uh, is Owen, Galatians 6.17, is uh, Paul, uh, Galatians 5.7, David, Hebrews 13.12 and 13, uh, Noel, and Acts 5.40-42. It's Kelly. Okay, so here we have the imagery set before us, and this is to finish despite the hardship and despite opposition and this is the call of believers to the Christian life. So 2 Timothy 4, 7, and 8, here's Paul. He's an old man. He uh, has uh, faithfully served God. He's now in the Mamertine prison in Rome, a stone prison, no light. Uh, it's just uh, adjoining the sewer system uh, of uh, the city of Rome. And this is uh, the last letter he's to write. He's at the end of his life. Listen to the statement that he makes. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, not to me only, but unto all them also that love and fear. I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I have finished my course. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord will give to me, and not only to me, but also all them who love his appearing. So here's Paul. He's in prison for preaching the gospel. He's about to go to be executed. This is the last letter he writes, uh, and he's going to finish his course. Now, it's very interesting uh, in the generation in which we live that Christians who uh, sometimes uh, have bought into the easy believism, which is, uh, uh, which is uh, a false concept, uh, that the least little opposition from family, from friends, a letter to the editor, people are devastated. Oh, did you see what they're saying about us? So what? Our faith is not hinged on public opinion. Isn't this correct? 
I remember some years ago when Dan Rather did his hit job on us and a couple of the pastors, uh, and it, it's like uh, uh, a little spot on TV. There's this great revelation that uh, Dan Rather had, and it was uh, all of his information came from a little queer named Rick Ross. And so uh, he, he did this whole hit job on this, uh, and I said at the time, that's okay. Uh, Dan Rather, who's Dan Rather? We'll be here when Dan Rather's gone. Well, the same mistake that was made then was made recently by Dan Rather as he had a little bit of information he got from a guy that hated George Bush, did this big hit job. It cost him his entire career. He went down in shame, discredited. 30 years of his career was flushed because of that. And I suppose that many people, and I know people, that they were totally intimidated by that. Uh, They were vitally affected by the public opinion and the reproach that came. But uh, you see, we're not serving Dan Rather. We're not even serving public opinion. Our relationship is with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Uh, An experience that is an eternal dimension and God has blessed us. I've been forgiven sin. I've been transformed. I've been changed. I've been on this pathway for some 45 years. Amen. So you got to me too late. Can you say amen? So here is this call, and despite opposition and hardship, this is what we're called to. Galatians 6, uh, verse 17. Now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ in my body. All right, here's the Apostle Paul. He's writing to the Galatian church, and he said, uh, don't, don't bother me with the, the complaints that you have. I have in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. He'd been beaten You've read his testimony, stripes. He'd been stoned once. Uh, He's been uh, in the deep and said, I don't want to hear it. I've got in my body the brands of the Lord Jesus. uh, That is a testimony of my faithfulness and service to him. Galatians 5, verse 7. He writes again to the Galatian and said, you were doing great, but who has hindered you? And this word hindered is a term that comes out of the Olympic, which means trip from behind. Uh, I don't know if you remember some years ago in the, uh, uh, the Olympics, Mary uh, Slaney. Do you remember that? She was running. She was in the lead. And the runner behind her hit her heel, tripped her. She fell, and she never recovered from that. The bitterness... The rancor, she didn't get up and, and, uh, and next year uh, continued to compete, but it destroyed her because of that. Well, Paul uses this illustration and says, uh, uh, who did hinder you? You're doing great, but uh, this is uh, 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 what's happened to you now. Galatians 3, 1. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Hebrews 13, 12 and 13. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. Now listen carefully. Therefore, Jesus only, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. Suffered outside the gate. Suffered outside the gate. So if, you, if you've uh, uh, been to Jerusalem, this spot is still uh, uh, one of the authentic spots today of Bible, uh, uh, Bible uh, uh, history. And uh, what this really is, is that Calvary it was actually uh, a dump. It was a place of, of dumping. It was where criminals were uh, crucified in shame. And so uh, a, a Scottish general some uh, years ago 
studied. He was a Bible student. He studied through, and he became convinced that this was the place. He did all of his uh, of his homework, and uh, today you can go uh, to that place. It's uh, called Calvary. It's a place of the skull. It was a it was a dump, and so the Bible then uses this uh, this imagery of Jesus. Jesus, that he might sanctify the people's own blood, went outside the gates. He was not crucified inside the city, out on the city dump. This is what Golgotha or Calvary is all about. Go ahead. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his coat. So, Paul says, therefore, let us go forth to him outside the gate, bearing his reproach. Christianity is not a popularity contest. Much of what's presented as Christianity is totally mistaken because it is not a popularity contest. If you're going to be a Christian and live as a Christian, there is a, uh, it's a wonderful experience. It's a cleansing from sin. It's eternal life. It's blessing. It's a, it's a heart change. It's deliverance from bondage. But uh, there is a reproach to be born, and generally that's because people are convicted uh, because of their lifestyle when they see a Christian that stops boozing, that stops womanizing, that stops the lifestyle and is transformed and they're brought into reproach because of that. So here we have this example. Here we have this call of Christians and this is what we're to be about, uh, Galatians uh, 3, 12 and 13. Okay, there's a couple of factors uh, or issues that cause this that we want to deal with this morning. I want Second Thessalonians 2, 1 through 3 over on this side, Mike. Solano, 1 Thessalonians 3, uh, verse 3, uh, Michael uh, Ramirez, and I want Acts 20, 22 through 24, is Don Galati. Okay, so let's bring this down to reality, and that is, what is it then that begins to move upon those who have received Christ as their Savior, have become genuine believers, what is it then that causes them to turn aside? There's many things, and we'll open this for discussion. One of these is because of false doctrine. Second uh, Thessalonians 2, 1 through 3. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had already come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Okay, so here Paul writes, and he's writing to believers. There's a, uh, they don't have a, 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 a handle on exactly... Uh, the correct uh, perspective of last things. And so they said, no, Jesus has already come and he's gone and uh, it's too late for you. So he writes and, and, and wants to straighten them out because many times people uh, who have a false foundation in the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ and doctrine, they do not have the foundation that will keep them through testings and through uh, hard times. This is why I spent the time laying a foundation for you to say to you, this is what the Christian life is all about. Christian life is a happy time. I just want to accept Jesus to be happy. Well, uh, thank God you need to be happy in life, but that's not what the gospel is. Can you say amen? Sometimes you're happy, sometimes you're unhappy. How many of you want to be happy? 
Okay? Sometimes you're happy. Sometimes you're not happy. How many of you are married? You got married because you want to be happy. How many of you are not happy now because you got married? Okay, we won't ask for a show of hands. See, that's not what marriage life is all about. Marriage life, sometimes you're happy, sometimes you're not happy. And uh, it runs the whole gamut of human uh, uh, of the human experience. Uh, and the difficulty that we have is this business of self-interest uh, and, and uh, self-serving. And generally people are happy when they, uh, they're getting their own way and, uh, and, uh, uh, and selfishness prevail. They're unhappy when they're not getting their way. So this is why we laid this foundation in you uh, of the gospel. Then another problem that causes people difficulty is afflictions. First Thessalonians 3, verse 3. Uh, that no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. That no man be moved or shaken or turned aside or diverted or dunted by these afflictions, for thereunto we were appointed. I could fill both hands ten times over with people who uh, had a transforming experience with Jesus Christ, a wonderful experience of salvation. But uh, they go on the job, and as they go on the job and they begin to give their testimony, suddenly uh, it becomes, it becomes the, uh, the, the business and the calling of everybody in that place of employment to begin to come on their case. They find every flaw that they have, if they've ever made any mistake in life, uh, regardless of what it is, they constantly are, 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 are afflicting them. I remember uh, some years ago a man uh, uh, saved uh, in this uh, congregation, gloriously transformed. The guy was a boozer and an alcoholic. And uh, he was uh, on up in years, probably 45 years old, wonderfully transformed, changed, uh, but his wife couldn't buy it. She wasn't going for it. And she kept on him, kept on him, kept on him, kept on him, until finally he backslid, went back in that life. They're divorced now. It's a, it's a sad story. But uh, afflictions... Uh, are something that is going to happen to those. Paul said, all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You're not going to escape it. Many turn aside from that. Then we have Acts 20, 22-24. This is the Apostle Paul who is meeting with the pastors of the churches in Ephesus. Now that the Holy Ghost the This is the Apostle Paul. Uh, he's meeting there. He's saying to them, I go bound in the Spirit. In other words, there is a constraint. I know this is what God called me to do. I know what's going to happen to me there. But these things don't move me. I'm not daunted by this. I am following the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going there to fulfill the purpose that God has for my life. And whatever, uh, whatever comes, come. And the, uh, the focus, remember, is the face of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and we see that. Here's another text, Acts 20, 25 through 28. Will you get that for me? You just read that. I want you to read this, uh, Acts 20, 25 through 28. And, uh, and this commitment, this courage, this determination comes out of the example of the Lord Jesus Christ 
who the Bible says set his face steadfastly to go to Jerusalem. He's going to suffer the persecution. He's going to die uh, at the hands of uh, sinners. He's going to be buried, raised again. There's no mistake, no accident. He laid in his disciples all that time. This is going to happen. Acts 20, 25 through 28. Read those verses for me. David speaking concerning me, I saw the Lord always before my face. He is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. I saw, listen to this, I saw the Lord always before my face. He's at my right hand so that I shall not be moved. Now, these have uh, profound meanings. These are uh, words that speak of a determination, a courage, a, uh, a, uh, a, uh, a refusal to be intimidated by the events of life. And Paul writes this uh, as a part of his determination. Go ahead. Therefore, did my heart rejoice and come with glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest with hope, because you will not leave my soul in hell, neither will you suffer my days. These are prophecies. These are the words uh, uh, that are written of prophecy. They're about our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul picks that up and uses that as an example. Is that all? You have made known to me the ways of life. You shall make me full. You can't see that for her. You can't see your Bible either. So that's what old age does to you, Don. <laughs> Okay, they can see it. They can read it for themselves. All right. (laughs) In Hebrews chapter 11, we have this tremendous roll call of faith. That roll call of faith is of historical figures that are in the Bible that are examples of those who have finished well and they have finished their course. Let me read to you just for a moment uh, a... uh, uh, a history of the 12 apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Andrew was an apostle. He was crucified in Bulgaria. Bartholomew was uh, an apostle. He was crucified head downward in Armenia. James was stoned to death at Jerusalem. James, the brother of John's head, was cut off with a sword while he was preaching in Judea. John, the apostle, was exiled to Patmos in the salt mines and finally brought back and died at Ephesus. Matthew died at Parthia as he was preaching at a place in Iran. Simon Peter was crucified by Nero at Rome, head downward. Philip was crucified at Heropolis in Turkey. Simon the Zealot died at Jerusalem at the age of 120. Thaddeus died at Edessa in Mesopotamia. And Thomas was preaching in India in the Coromandel coast near Madras and he was ran through with a spear while he was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we all know what happened to Judas Iscariot. He failed the test, betrayed the Lord Jesus and committed suicide. So here we have then the dauntless face this comes out of Luke 9:51. Jesus set his face steadfastly to go up to Jerusalem. So let me open it to you just for a moment. And we're uh, largely we're a group of believers that are here this morning. And bring this down where the rubber meets the road. Uh, how does this play out in your life this morning? 
and how you're handling your testimony for Christ. Somebody want to make a comment? Michael Solano. I think we've got it pretty darn easy. I mean, in reality, about all we ever come up against is people mocking us a little bit, you know, joking about our church and stuff like that. I, I have uh, people that work for me that are always berating me for the church that I go to, and, and really it's small potatoes. Right? We, don't, we don't know what this is like, you know, being run through with a spear, being threatened with our lives, you know. The worst I've ever seen myself is somebody pushing me against the wall. Whoa, you know. I mean, you know, eternal life is worth a whole lot more than some nasty words. So why is that, Mike? Why is what? Why are we, do we have it easy? Well, I think because our nation is generally... You got it. ...in the foundation. We, have, we live in America. So if you lived in, uh, in um, Turkey, for instance, it wouldn't be that easy. Got an email from... Uh, Rick Buckles, who's just pioneering, and so they have a wonderful Turkish couple that we met while we were there uh, in March and uh, who've gotten saved and uh, a Muslim background. And so uh, somebody lured him out uh, with a phone call of a promise of a job and pulled a pistol on him and shot at him. He missed, but he didn't intend to miss. So if you were in Turkey today, it might be different. Is that correct? Or... If you were in the Sudan today, you would uh, be uh, perhaps uh, uh, hiding out like an animal simply because you were a Christian. Thousands upon thousands have been murdered because of that. If you're in northern Nigeria, uh, you would suffer the same problem. If you're in Indonesia, Indonesia uh, commonly uh, Muslims go into Christian villages and every man that will not renounce Jesus Christ that is a Christian, they behead on the spot. Uh, just uh, not long ago, 400 in one village, they beheaded because they would not renounce the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, yes, we have it easy at the moment. We have no guarantee that's going to continue. But it's because we live in a nation where Christianity has impacted our nation and has caused uh, a structure... Uh, of government whereby we have the freedom to worship God uh, after the dictates of our heart. Very good. Somebody else? How's this playing out in life? Real loud for me, Steve. I'm a long ways up here. Yeah, uh, this is not my life, but in uh, the president's judicial nominations, I heard one talk show host say a lot of these are people of faith that are being rejected or uh, they have a Christian testimony or some of them are just religious, but it seems like if they have even the slightest whiff of Christianity, they're rejected out of hand. In the arena that we're seeing at the moment, this is becoming a major issue uh, as that uh, the government decisions are being made. They're trying to uh, find uh, uh, judicial appointments one of the major things that is behind the scenes, it's not, uh, it's not publicized, is exactly that. Many of these are people who have deep religious convictions and are constitutionalists, uh, and they're being rejected or held back. Not rejected, actually, by the Senate. They just won't let them come up for a vote, and that's behind the scenes. Very good. Somebody else, how does this play out in life today? Uh, Brian? Notice when I got, <clears throat> when I got saved... Uh, my own family kind of 
came against me for like a short while after I got saved. Now they see that I'm doing well, seems like everything's going fine, but at first it was a very bad thing. Sister came against me, family ostracized me because of whether the church or, you know, all these rumors were flying around. But, uh, so you see that happen. I know I'm not the only one. It's not possible. Okay, very good. Uh, salvation, family oppose uh, the uh, experience that Brian had. Not doing that now, but they have done that. And that could be the story of many here. Somebody else, testimony of how this plays out in life today. Jesus set his face steadfastly to go to Jerusalem. And he knew exactly what he was uh, f- facing, but he did it anyway because this is with the will of God for his life. Mike uh, Ramirez. Pastor, I have a question for you. Uh, where, where do you draw your, your, I guess, motivation or, you know, not just to maintain Christian life, but to press in and to be, you know, to do something for God. Like, you personally, you know, I know prayer, reading the Bible, but... Uh, it's going to take something beyond just uh, the average, uh, you know, effort to, to have a dauntless space. Not just to maintain, but to press in and to be effective. Where do I get it? Yes. Well, number one, I got really saved. Yep. Uh, I got saved at age 25, almost 25 years old. Knew nothing about God, wasn't raised in a Christian home, but I got really saved. And when I got really saved, one of the things that, uh, that uh, I didn't understand is why uh, wouldn't people commit their entire being to this? Why, why are you dabbling with this? If it's real, then it's worth giving your uh, entire life to pursue that. And uh, I saw people that are, uh, that are playing church. They're just... Uh, you know, they're lukewarm. They, uh, they dabble a little bit in the world and a little bit in church and a little bit. The most miserable people on earth. The happiest people are people who are, are genuinely give themselves to God and uh, 100%. So uh, I gave myself 100% to it, and God then begins to uh, uh, motivate. He begins to encourage. He begins to strengthen and uh I've got a long history behind me of, uh, of uh, the fruit of that. It's wonderful. Can you say amen? that answer your question or not? Are you having problems this morning, Mike? <laughs> Don Galati. Uh, question, that question, I mean, preached on standing for Christ. And I think the main point is that in order to maintain your, your Christian life and your purposes, your vitality in Christ, yeah, there's nothing on earth that is as satisfying as seeing someone come to Christ and their life changed. I mean, there's nothing on earth that will compare to that uh, because uh, you have saved a soul from death and you've seen their lives transformed. As you see them transformed, then... Uh, there's an encouragement that comes. There's a refreshing that comes. Uh, there is a, uh, a, a, what would you call it, a fulfillment that the life you're living is worthwhile. 
and that it's, uh, it's bearing fruit. Let me read to you again. Think about this with me. Let me read this to you again. Andrew was crucified in Bulgaria. Why do you think he was crucified? Why do you think he was crucified? Don? Preaching the gospel. He upset somebody, right? For preaching the gospel. He so upset them that they crucified him. Bartholomew was crucified head downward in Armenia. James was stoned to death at Jerusalem. Now, folks got to be pretty upset at you to stone you to death. Is that correct? So when we begin to look at this, uh, we begin to see that these are people who had something inside that was a dynamic that was not of, uh, of, uh, of human origin. Something of God had entered their life where they're willing to pay the price to pursue the call that God gave them to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and they would not turn aside from that even if it meant they're going to be killed. You follow me? Okay. So here we have this example before us and this runs in the face of the wishy-washy, lukewarm uh, uh, religiosity that you could call it that claims to be Christian and uh, and uh, people can't even uh, 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 make a commitment to church services hello to Bible study thank God for the people who are in Bible study this morning amen there's many people who attend this church they can't make the effort to Bible study because uh, you know that takes a lot of uh, dedication to get out of the sack. <laughs> Amen? And and besides, you know how hard it is sitting here. You've been sitting here now for for uh, almost 50 minutes. This is that's a, that's a tough thing. You know, you could, people could sit in front of a boob tube for 40 hours. <laughs> sit in, uh, in a sports stadium for hours on end. Wait in line to get into it. All the, But <laughs> get out of bed. Uh, well, I, I'm sorry. Your dedication doesn't impress me. That's the name of the game for you. So here we have, let me read it again, the dauntless face, which is the face of our Lord Jesus Christ. He set his face steadfastly to go to Jerusalem. That's all the time we have. The Lord bless you. We're going to start our service in just a moment. Uh, We'll continue next week with this study, the face of our Lord.